How are you feeling? Do you like the show? Are you tired of it? Never mind, I don't want to know. Are you finding it boring? Too fast, too slow. I'm asking, but don't answer, cause I don't want to know. Do I have your attention? Yes or no? I bet I guess the answer, but I don't want to know. Am I all in the background? Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show. This week, we're going to be talking oh, about... brother, <laughs> this guy stinks! Not even 10 seconds into the show, we're already at that point yeah so hey orlando city played to a nil nil draw against inter miami and uh it is the inspector brad special where it was a nil nil draw everyone went home mad oh my god wow and speaking of inspector brad that is brad newton we also have kyle foley i'm pissed now joining us today as well as the first time in a couple months it is Gavin Eubank. Well, why don't you cry about it? Hey, you know, it's glad to be back uh, for my sabbatical where I was the official podcast host for the uh, Bishop Sycamore High School football team. Um, we've been in the news a little bit lately, and I just want to uh, say no comment. All right, then. Mm-hmm. Well, well, welcome back from your sabbatical. Thank you. It's glad to have you back to talk about what a terrible game it was for Orlando City. We'll also talk about the Orlando Pride. I've seen and my of fair course, share of terrible games lately. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about uh, UCF and Rollins soccer as well because college soccer has started up. But for right now, let's get into it with Orlando City. Talk a little bit about their game. We're also possibly going to break some news. Don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if it's breaking news. Anywho, draw. Nil nil. Bad. Real bad. Real, real bad. Was not good. Stinky. Against a not good team. Yeah, it's so it's fun. one of those it's one of those games where you look at it and you're saying, Orlando probably should have won about this bozo over here. Probably should have won about three nothing. Like if we're being honest, they had a penalty, they had a goal that was called offside, they had a ball that was hitting the post. I, yeah, did not we, not great. Do we want to get right into my favorite part of the show, where I ask you what the XG of the match was? <laughs> let's do it. What's the what? Well, let's see. Um, you guys guess. Kyle, uh, just, Gavin, just for just for Orlando's XG because okay, okay, Miami's, so Miami's will actually shock you that it was one point two two. That is actually very shocking. I'm gonna say Orlando's was probably because of the penalty and how high it made the expected goals. I'd say probably about two, like right on the dot two. Um, I've seen it. I've seen the XG, so it would be unfair for me to give that. Oh, okay, out. yeah, yeah, don't. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I can confirm. Well, hold on, uh, hold on. Out there. Don't say it. Wait for Kyle. I'm gonna go one point six nine. Nice, nice. I'm going to say right. 4.2. 4.20. Yeah. Also, also uh, no, according to FootMob, it is 2.19. Oh, I was close. Yeah. Uh, Tesho's penalty, obviously. Uh, yeah, that that's the thing that like raised it massively. Which, um, 
not better. <laughs> no, definitely not better. Uh, you have expected goals of 2.2. You should have at least scored one. Uh, well, considering the, the penalty was a point seven nine of that XG. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, don't uh, don't look too close at uh, the 15 other shots because, hey, Miami only had five and theirs was 1.22. Yeah, and here's the funny thing. 15 to 5, guess how many of those were on target for each team? Two or three? Two for each two. team. Yeah. Two. Both teams had two. Orlando yeah, had Pizar- 15 shots and two on target. Yeah, Pizarro um, and Iguain, their attempts both were on target for Miami. Uh, Pizarro, had, in the 22nd minute, his uh, right foot from basically the, the corner, it was, a, it was off a corner, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was point six eight, so that was a good good save by uh, Pedro there. Yes, and speaking of Pedro, his first game back since that uh, drubbing that Orlando suffered in New York, where he got injured, he played a little bit in the All Star game, and fans are probably upset about that because it's like, well, if he's playing in there, why isn't he playing for us? Well, then he comes back and plays for Orlando City. And now he leaves again to go for national team duty to Peru. I hate everything. Thank you, Ron Swanson. Three games he will be missing, potentially. Um, As far as Orlando City goes, he'll be back roughly around the 10th of September, uh, which means he's missing at the very least the Columbus and Atlanta game. He should be back for the Montreal game, which is at Exploria Stadium on the 15th. So he'll miss at least two games and possibly 15 or possibly three if he misses that game on the 15th. And the same thing goes with Sebas Mendez, who also hasn't played in a while. In fact, he <laughs> his his last game, I believe, was the how long ago did he play? Was it the the Red Bulls or the Chicago game? If I had to look it up. Maybe it was even further back. Was it back in May? Mm, no, it's been. It's, he's played since then. No, he, he has. You're right. Played the 17th against Toronto last month. Yeah. Oh, uh, that was. That's right. It was yeah. in in Toronto where he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Right. He played yes. Yes, 14 yes, yes. minutes as a sub the game before, and 14 minutes as a starter in that one. So July 17th was the last time he's played for Orlando City, and now he's off for national team duty with Ecuador. That's pretty cool. Zero goals, zero, zero assists on the air. But, yeah, no, he gets called. But, like, the funny, the weird thing is he is probably the most integral part of Orlando City's defensive, like, midfield as well as Ecuador's. Like, he is their most integral player in the midfield. Um, Outside of I Mauricio would... Pereira. I would say defensively he's important, but I mean, you could argue that he's probably more integral offensively. I mean, the amount of touches that he gets and the way that he able Orlando is able to spring attacks forward from his foot. I mean, and the fact that Orlando is now not scoring goals, they scored what four goals in all of August and he didn't play Mm. in all of August Mm. yet. Orlando is still a good defensive team. Mm. I mean, I'd argue it's more offensively that they're, they're really missing him. I mean, yes, I think it's it's but like 
it's the transition of defense to offense because of the yeah. way he reads passing lanes and the way he is able to intercept balls and start those counterattacks for Orlando. That is where they're missing him. It's oh yeah, more, no, I mean it's the defense that transitions into offense. He's but a yes, big ball are, winner. You are right about the offensive part, but it's because of the defense. Yeah, I mean he's a big ball winner, and that's crucial to to defending and also. But on the same time, you know that's crucial to starting the attack is you know getting that ball back and then having the wherewithal to know where that next pass is, and he's very good at finding that next pass. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it, 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 on both ends of the ball, it's definitely a big miss. He, Orlando is lucky that they are such a stout defensive team that it hasn't necessarily hurt them defensively, but to be a team that wants to make a run in the playoffs, it's better to have a guy like that. When you start Correct. to get up against really good you know, attacking teams, that you're going to start to see. Right. How weird is it that you said the sentence Orlando are very stout defensively and none of us like questioned or shrugged that off? <laughs> yeah, it's it's, just, I mean, it's just not a thing something. we're used to. Mm-hmm. Well, I Definitely mean, th- after but after was it twenty eighteen when they were just historically bad? Like they've actually, I mean, they've made changes to like improve drastically along that well yeah i I mean yes but also at a certain point like you can only be so bad so like anything had to be an improvement but i think i think this year and and last year we've seen like the team is actually like defensive defense is is a is the strength of the team right right now yeah i mean james o'connor set a good framework in place defensively that the team was starting to play i mean they obviously couldn't score, which is the similar problem that this team is facing. But I mean, I yeah, mean, I they also conceded 52 goals the year prior to 2020. So it's let, yeah. Put I it mean, into they did have Lemieux Sane playing center back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You bring in Antonio problem. Carlos to pair with Robin Janssen, it definitely changes things up, and that's really yeah. the only defensive change outside of Galese that they made. And, and arguably, Galese is probably one of the most important pieces as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but last year, in 23 games that they played they allowed only 25 goals this year through 21 games they've allowed 24 goals so a little bit worse off defensively than they were well, last I mean, that's year that's the fourth best total in the league so far i mean they're the fourth best defensive team the fourth well the in the eastern conference i'm, so, yeah, the I'm sorry in the eastern conference i'm looking at that um but it's still better than the top three teams or it's better than Everyone but the top three teams in the Western Conference. So that's about, right. what, sixth, seventh in the league? Eighth. Eighth. They're eighth in the league in terms of goals allowed. Minnesota actually has the same uh, amount of goals allowed. And everyone always criticized Adrian Heath for not having a good defensive team. But look at him now. Yeah. You, you they've also that, not you scored. As, they've scored 24 goals and allowed 24. So their goal differential is currently zero. You mentioned Galese being an important part of that defense a, a while ago, and it just made me curious as to what Joe Bendick has been up to. Uh, July 18th, he picked up his first win since 2018. Yeah, he's the backup to Andre Blake. So yeah, but I mean, Actually, just... he's not. No, he's not even the backup to Andre Blake. No, he's the third stringer to Andre Blake. Yeah, and you know who the fourth stringer is? Um, Tally Hall. No, it's Greg Ranjitsing. Oh right. Didn't he just get signed somewhere else? Wasn't it a USL team that signed him? No. <laughs> He's still with the Union. Oh, All right. I could have swore you put something in the chat like a month or so ago about him signing somewhere. No. No, no. He's, he's still with the Union as their fourth stringer. 
right now. I was almost I was almost half expecting him to play for their USL team. But yeah, that, I mean, he that just, never he just got signed in April too, so I guess Yeah, that... but they have I mean they have Andre Blake, Matt Freeze, Joe Bendick, and Greg Ranjitsing. And Matt Freeze is second right now. Fun. Such is life. <laughs> Such is life. But anyways, back to Orlando City, as we were talking about them. Talked about the draw, how bad the game was. Tesho Bad 45 minutes. Um, did not give his haters any chance to stop hating him. Yeah, there was a real bad, um, roughly, like, what, 15-minute span of that game for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he came out. He, I mean, he came out at halftime. Daryl DK is back now. That's good news. Yep. Bad news is that Joey Desart went down injured and... He may he may be unavailable, and that's like your last ditch defensive midfielder because Sebas is gone, Uri is hurt, and Andres Perea is hurt. So yeah, so, it was really it was a really bad about ten minutes for uh, Tesho because in the eleventh minute he had the penalty get saved, and then um, in the twenty second, um, he had the goal called back for offside. The, yeah, yeah. Funny enough, I asked I asked Robin about the the goal. And he said that he knew it was off target and that Tesho put it on target. And he knew he was offside, which is why he didn't celebrate as much because he knew it was going to be called back. So let me assess this here. Orlando didn't lose in August, but Mm -hmm. they weren't particularly good and they weren't Mm -hmm. particularly bad. Like I said, they only scored... Uh, four goals in five games, but at the flip side, they only gave up uh, three goals four. in those five games. Mm. If, you, if you're uh, going if you're into counting, September, if you're counting the League's Cup game, yeah, yeah, League's Cup, which it, it's um, I did forget that one because it's not on the MLS schedule here. Um, but going into September, six games, and excluding Columbus and Atlanta, which are the next two, and both are just outside the playoff bubble. Everyone else is a playoff team. I mean, we're talking, and then four of these six games are on the road. Atlanta, Philadelphia, New England, and Nashville, the latter three, which are very good teams. Mm. What is our confidence level or concern level heading into September? I asked Oscar the other day about getting points against teams that are below the playoff line because of how tough the schedule is later on in the season. And said we're on to Atlanta. He yeah, he said he said we're just taking it one game at a time. Jeez, did he really? Cuz that was just me kind of making that up. <laughs> I love me some Well, they have speak. Columbus coming up first this weekend and then Atlanta next week. And then from there it's uh playing games two twice a week. Um so they come thick and fast and those thick and fast four <laughs> yeah, the, they do. four of the five are on the <laughs> yeah. road in Jeez. tough places i mean it's nashville has obviously been very good new england is the league leaders right now um the conference leaders philadelphia is gonna be a tough one i mean i don't know where you grab points from honestly i mean they can pull out draws they're defensively they're good enough to grab points in all of these games but i mean i think that once you start getting players back healthy you'll start yeah, seeing I mean, a more cohesive team getting dk back is big for the goal scoring standpoint of things if you ever see Pato again, that could help. Who knows if he's ever going to play again? If he's even who? like 
Yeah, that that one guy that is considered a duck. <laughs> well, right now he's ducking out. I'm playing for Orlando City. So. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, when people mention his availability, it just quacks me up. <laughs> That's something about a corkscrew penis. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess we don't know for sure. Realistically, so you're talking. Montreal and Columbus are probably the two games on that schedule where you can look at them and say, Orlando can walk out of there with a win. I don't know that you can say that about any of the other four games. I think... I mean, things can Those change two games in New England are going to be very... The two, the two games against New England are going to be very hard. Yeah. Uh, I think that the games that you can pick up wins, potentially, um, are your home games. Which are the so, two against Columbus and Montreal, yes. yeah. Yeah, well, Columbus hasn't been playing very well lately. They mm-hmm. did have a win against Cincinnati, but they had to come back from being down 2-1. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, that's also that's, Cincinnati. It's, so. Yeah, exactly. If you're losing against Cincinnati, it's not necessarily a good sign. They just lost Kevin Molino to, um, for the year with another ACL tear, which I feel for that guy so much. That's his mm-hmm. third ACL gone. Like, uh, he's, come back, he's come back from them. And it's been surprising considering like how how well he's been able to come back from them. But like three is yeah. It kind of yeah. at at this point like for your own safety, don't like that's that's just such a the long term damage you're doing to yourself, man. That's... Yeah, I, I don't know. I like I think the way ACLs can be repaired nowadays is different than it used to be. It's not as necessarily like long term damage. But at the same time, a multitude when, of injuries like it, that. Yeah, when you've torn it that many times, it's... To be able to... Re- it depends on which knee, I guess. Because if it's I, the th- it's the same knee three times, then yeah, that's something. But if it's one knee a second time, or well, if, yeah, it's the first, think, if it's I the first, first time, time for this knee... I think the first time was one, the second time was the other, and now this is the second time on whichever. Yeah. It's the right leg, but... Still. Or it could have been twice the first time, and now this is the first time. This is the third time. Who knows? Mm. E- either way, the point of the matter is Columbus is it, they're a decent side that have had a rough run of form as of late. They picked up their first win in seven games. They went seven games with losses before I mean, they won against Cincinnati. They lost to Seattle, New York, Chicago. Atlanta, D.C., New York, and then beat Atlanta United on July 24th. So I think the funny thing here is that, you know, we're talking about Orlando City in terms of like a club that's kind of sliding at the moment, but they're still second in the Eastern Conference. So, I mean, it. They are tied with points at Nashville and one point ahead of New York with with New York having a game in hand. I mean, speaking of Nashville, too, I mean, that's a team that has not lost at home this season so for orlando nope. to exp- you know to think orlando could go in there and get a win that would be certainly a high challenge yes it they are looked like they might earlier though the last match they played it looked like they might do that and then um didn't yeah it was a they came out with a draw right and they drew or no did it was, it was a draw. The 1-1 draw. The 1-1 one, draw on the 18th. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. They, well, they had a comeback. They were down one nothing because CJ Sapong scored the first. That's and then right. Antonio Carlos scored the, the equalizer. But it did look like, um, I think it was Tesha that hit the post or the crossbar. 
Um, but they came very close to winning the game. It was also pouring in that one. Either way, um, let's very quickly just uh, talk about other stuff for Orlando City before we move on uh, to some other news. We talked about Kalese and we talked about Sebas, talked about Tesho. Let's very quickly talk about the, the injury report, uh, just for the sake of mentioning who's actually, you know, hurt or not, because <laughs> you never know with this team, especially what they've got, because they're always just lower body injuries. Guess how many lower body injuries are currently on the injury report this week? I go with a lot. Eight. That would be a lot. Yes. So Sebas is out officially because of, you know, national team duty. Pato's out. Uri Rossell is out. David Loera is questionable. Nani is questionable. Pedro Galese is out. Mauricio Pereira is questionable. Andres Perea is questionable. And now Joey Desart is questionable. It's fun. Just everyone held together with, like, duct tape and bubble gum at this point. And yeah, I mean, at this at this point, quite literally, everyone is carrying a knock. Yeah. I mean, man, just a great. matter of how serious that knock is. I mean, it's a super great time for all that to happen all at the same time. Yeah. You, you really do love it. 13 games left in the season. We talked about kind of the, the, the general outlook of the season, but as Oscar Pereja says it, we'll take it game by game. Anyways, the last thing I want to talk about is uh, for Orlando City. I've heard some some rumblings. Some rumblings? Ooh. Some rumblings. How rumblings I, rumblings? So the rumblings are, um, as we all know, Alex Leitao, the CEO of Orlando City, has stepped down because the new ownership has come in and he has found at the time to say goodbye to Orlando City. So they are in the midst of looking for a new permanent CEO. It's you, isn't it? You're taking it over. It is absolutely not me, but it is a name that has been synonymous with not only the city of Orlando, but also Betsy MLS in general. Absolutely oh, no. not. Hey, that's 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 team partner and part <laughs> owner. I get question no. Mark? She's she's not part of that ownership at all. It's a different sect of the DeVos family. It makes it sound like it's some is, sort of like, yeah, a, like bizarre it's a, religion. It's a, it's a fun, it's a fun <laughs> word to use in relation to that family. I, I mean, it is very apt to use, I guess. Anyways, what was I saying? Oh yeah, the guy that I was mentioning. So this is a name that I've heard thrown around uh, a multitude of times in various circles uh, of a name that both. He has interest in the club, and the club has interested him, so mutual interest in between the two. It is Thomas Paine, or Tom Paine, as he is known. He has various backgrounds in MLS and the city of Orlando. The philosopher? No. Thomas Paine, the former president of business operations for the LA Galaxy. common sense. When David Beckham signed with the Galaxy, he was the president of business operations for the Galaxy. Uh, he was also the president of Puerto Rico FC in the NASL for the two years that they existed, 
as well as the vice president of operations for the XFL in their most recent stint before everything shut down in 2020. I've heard there is mutual interest, but that is there's still a, a long way away. It's just a name that maybe keep an eye out on. But again, when you have somebody who has previously been and oversaw the LA Galaxy front office when they signed David Beckham, that, that does come with a lot of uh, experience and a lot of... Uh... I mean, that Galaxy team in general during that time was arguably one of the most, if not the most successful franchises of like any era in Major right. League Soccer. He was also the assistant GM when Beckham signed in 07. So he was part of helping trying to bring Beckham in. Which again, that started a whole whirlwind of signings throughout MLS. It started a whole revolution in soccer in America. Um, I will say four titles for, uh, well, yeah, four titles in his time there and only mm-hmm. one since. I mean, you know. <laughs> Robbie Keane to Orlando City confirmed. Yeah, I don't hate Aaron it. Rumors. Uh, don't know ML- about that. MLS's MLS's most prolific goal scorer, Robbie Keane. Sure, numbers don't lie. Men lie, <sighs> women lie. Numbers don't. Well, it's anyways a name to keep an eye out on for the future. There is nothing confirmed that I can say confidently that this is happening or not, but definitely something to keep an eye out on. But if it does happen, you heard it here first. There you go. Right. Shall we move on to the Orlando Pride? Yeah. Hey, guys. The Orlando Pride won. They did it. They did. They did. They did it. Won nothing against Gotham FC. On the road, Erica Timrak, a 49th minute Schross, which according to her, she totally meant as a shot, not a cross. So she saw her her off the line. Yeah, I'd say that. I'd say that too, if if that was the result. Yeah, no, totally. I meant to do that. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, there was no one in the box that she was crossing it no. to, and the so, keeper yeah, was off the line. Make, so yeah, makes, makes more sense, sense that. that she actually chipped Caitlin Sheridan from that angle than her crossing it to absolutely no one in particular. Either way, Erica Timrak, first goal in an Orlando Pride uniform, and first goal for her since she retired back in 2019 from the Utah Royals. So very, very good for her, and... Honestly, she's been playing great now. Um, she has really been a, a great change of pace as a substitute coming on late in games, but got the start on the road and performed really really well. I think she's having a, a bit of a resurgence in her career now here with Orlando. There's one other notable thing that happened during that match. Yes, which I was about to get to. Ashlyn Harris. Now the all-time saves leader in NWSL history. What an accomplishment. Uh, she Huge. has had to, I mean, she's had to stand on her head a, a multitude of times because her defense has kind of let her down a lot in her time in uh, not only just NWSL, but in the Orlando Pride era when they were, you know, bad. She's had to bail them out a number of times. Um, but at the same time, she's made so many saves in NWSL. And I mean, God, what, what an she absolutely did, insane accomplishment. 
469 just... saves, guys. 469. Nice. Should the league just change the name of the save of the week to the Ashlyn Harris uh, save of the week? I think that's what it's going to become once he retires. <laughs> they can't name an award after somebody who's currently playing. Like the Landon Donovan MVP award. It'll be the Ashlyn Harris Goalkeeper of the Year award. Yeah. But again, 469 saves, surpassing Nicole Barnhart, and she held the uh, she held the record with 468. So 469 was the record breaker. Uh, the thing is, Nicole Barnhart is still technically like active. So, I <laughs> I don't know. Brazil just announced that Marta's been called up. Uh, that's that's pretty I wonder expected, these, to be uh, honest. I mean, might these be her final games, or does she have plans on playing? I don't know. I mean, it was definitely her final. Isn't. It was her final Olympics. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to think it was probably her final major tournament. I don't know if it's necessarily her final major tournament. I think she may have one more left in her. You think she'll be around for... 2023? Uh, potentially. At the age of 37? I, I wouldn't put that past her. I think both she she is capable and you typically tend to see women's soccer players play to a lot older ages. I mean, I know that's true. changed of late, and a lot of that was was born out of necessity for a long time. But I think it's something. Listen, that it's, it's Marta, not, thirty-seven years old is not is not like mind blowing. No, she's. I mean, she's thirty-five years old. For Miga, right? If you look at her, she is. She just played in the Olympics, and she's forty-three. So, like, if she, as a current Brazilian national team player, can do it at 43 then marta should be able to do it as long as she wants to do it i I have a feeling that she probably will i mean just it it'll be purely down to whether she wants to or not i don't think it's going to be like a uh, she's not going to get an opportunity i think if she's still playing at that point and hasn't decided to retire then she's going to play in that world cup if she has decided that she's not going to play anymore then obviously that's a different story but i I don't think it's there's going to be any outside factors in that she's going to get to make that call and I think it's more likely than not that she's playing in it. Well, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. In the meantime, the Pride are currently in fourth in the NWSL standings. Which, considering how tumultuous of a season they've had, is <laughs> damn impressive. Like They've been able to somehow survive a coaching change, become better... Go figure. And they are now sitting fourth in the NWSL standings. Granted, that's only a one three-point difference between eighth and fourth. And also a four-point difference between fourth and second. So if they can win their next couple matches, they may be able to do something. And they play some arguably uh, opponents that they could beat in the Houston Dash and Racing Louisville both who are below the playoff line and both who are kind of average or below average. They're not FC Casey in FC Kansas City, or Casey Woso is what they're called now. But 
Racing Louisville, the uh, they're they're an expansion franchise, and they they are four four and eight. They really did. Racing really did swing for the fences with their expansion draft too. Yeah, and they got like nobody. I mean, it it's it's the risk you play of trying to get people invested in an expansion team, but also like man, there's a that's a. There was a whole lot of just well, okay, so like they very they, well thought out yeah. decisions made, right? So like they got Alana Kennedy, who's still not there. Not there. Nope. <laughs> they got Caitlin Ford, who's Pride Legend, but not there. Mm-hmm. They got Tobin Heath and Kristen Press, who are not there. Both not there. Yeah, well, Press um, was also just traded to LA, so they yes. Right. In- they got sure something out of it. Intentions with most of these players was that we'll get the rights at the very least if they come play for us. Good. Otherwise, we've got some assets to trade, and they capitalized on that with press so far. So, I'm sure Heath will be next. Yeah, most likely. Uh, all the other players they they were able to to hang on to, as far as I can remember. Yeah, it's just there were some names that were involved in that expansion draft that was like right the the oh, ones that I mentioned Katie. already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, all right, yeah, sure. You, yeah, you, you do that. Reason, there's a reason why they were left unprotected, but yeah, go for it. Yeah. Well, point of the matter is the Pride will be playing said team in Racing Louisville coming up, not this coming weekend, but the next weekend on September 11th. That game is set to kick off at 7 o'clock. And both of these upcoming games, by the way, are also at home which is always beneficial to the pride uh, for Orlando. The schedule is almost there. Like the season's almost over, which is kind of crazy to say they have seven games left. If they can win half of those, I think they're in the playoffs and like their, their, their schedule at the end of the season actually is super beneficial. So outside of this game against Houston and the next game against racing, they play OL rain who are Currently in third, which is, again, kind of crazy how their season has gone. Uh, But outside of the OL Rain game, they play Chicago twice, Gotham, and Racing again. It's good not just getting those Thorns and Courage games out of the way early. Right. Like, honestly, these are, like, at the very least, the Gotham and Racing games are very winnable. And ho- oh, by the way, they had wins over both the Thorns and Courage earlier this season. They did, yes. So it's not as if like, oh, we're so glad we're ducking him. It's like, no, we we kind of just played him, and that's fine. Yeah. And here's the other thing. So out of the last five games, uh, I believe only two of them, or three of them are in the uh, in uh, away setting. So the Houston Racing games are at home. OL Rain, Chicago Red Stars away, uh, Gotham home, racing away, Chicago home. And that's how they end the season. So their last home game is October 29th. And that will be the last game of the season to potentially get a playoff spot. But for this year, the top six make it. There's only four teams that don't. As long as the Pride don't have a horrific meltdown, they're making the playoffs, I would say. Um, If you had to guess... What was the result of of all six Courage and Thorns matches the Pride had this year? 
What do you mean? Like, who won what? Yeah, yeah. Like, what was the record there? A combined record between Portland, Orlando, and... Well, Orlando, Orlando versus... Uh, North Carolina and the Thorns. Like, what? What was the record in the for the Pride in those matches? Uh, well, I know the Pride lost one and drew one against North Carolina. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That's not including like the uh, preseason tournament, right? The Challenge. Game. Um, I mean, if we go, I, I'm I'm including May as like. So but that's yeah, not, I mean, that's not challenge. I mean, that's challenge did, but I mean, but I mean, they played them though. Yeah. So. Okay. So let me think here. Okay, well, May no May was the regular season, wasn't it? Mm, I believe so. I mean, that's when that's I'm when the at. that's when the regular season started. So the Pride uh, won and lost and drew against Portland. Yep. So it's one one and one against the Thorns, and then one one and one against the Courage. Not bad against the two best teams in the league. Not bad. Also, the scores in all those matches are pretty similar, too. It's like 2-1. 2-1, yeah. 2-1 and 1-1. Yeah. Well, the Pride have a very good chance of, of doing things this year. Um, and if they, if they do make the playoffs and they make a run, I mean, you got to think Becky Burley is the coach for the future, right? Again, yeah. That, I mean, that's that's what I was saying when they brought her on. It's that it's a hire that, yeah, it's interim because, like, you, you kind of just call that person the interim. Uh, in the meantime and just hope that it just becomes the full-time i mean you plan on making it the full-time coach at the end of the year probably i mean Sydney larue still is tied for the league leading goals so yeah and you get alex morgan back hopefully in the next two or three games too to get her for the end of the season into the playoffs sort of the opposite problem that city have yeah (laughs) no kidding you're getting you're getting people back at the end of the, as the the season starts to wrap up here versus city losing people and it just seems like every every game another player goes down injured yeah or every well, game for another the, player for city, gets called not for out for the pride right no 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 well actually Courtney Peterson did miss the last game um they they went with that interesting lineup let's let's quickly talk about that before we uh wrap up with the the college soccer they went with Phoebe McLernan as a right back, Allie Krieger as center back. And it was interesting because, well, not only that, they went with Tony Presley as center back because of uh, Amy Turner being out. Uh-huh. But McLernan, like, I-, I wasn't upset with her playing as a right back. Like, I thought she did well. Um, I think Krieger is just at the point of her career where I don't think she's she can get up and down like that, that like down the field and back defensively. I think it's better for her as a ball playing center back right now to put her next to a, another just solid defensive presence in either Turner Presley or McLernan. And then you have Allie Riley as the left back instead of the right back because of Courtney Peterson being out. But I thought it was an interesting shape that they took. They didn't have Marissa Vigiano start the game, but they came, she came on towards the end for Tim Rack. They kind of, I mean, they kind of played a diamond for a mm. bit. They did. They've been very tactically flexible since Becky Brilly has come in. Like, they've gone yeah. three back. They've gone five back. They've gone diamond in the midfield. They've gone, you know, two up top, one up top. They, they, they've been very flexible tactically over the last five, six games. It's been very kind of fun to see. They, they haven't been as stringent 
uh, like under Mark Skinner's free-flowing artistic style, as you would call it. Yeah, uh, less about making art and more about uh, getting results. Yeah, which that's that's what you should be doing. Hey, so Pride, great. I am excited to see their next five games, and hopefully Alex Morgan comes back to play in those as well. Yeah, I mean, a bolstered attack with one of the world's best forwards is only going to get better. Yeah, not only your world, the world's best forward, one of the world's best forwards, but also the league leader in goals as of right now playing yeah. on the same team. And Barta. What a concept. <laughs> hey, like, uh, if you get good players playing together, maybe it'll work out. Yeah, you know, maybe. Maybe. It worked in 2017. Well, yeah, until it didn't. Until it didn't. Well, that's it for the Pride. Let's talk college soccer. Start with UCF. Big, big win over University of North Florida. They won 5 to nothing. Luca Dorado, their forward, scored a brace. Uh, Gino Vivi, the captain, longtime winger, scored the first goal of the season for the Knights. And Josiah Ramirez scored a bicycle kick. Well, a half bicycle kick, but still. Very fun way to, to end a game where they won 5 nothing. Especially considering how their first game went, where they lost 4 nothing to FIU at home in the first game of the season. And that was bad, but this was good. And now they go on the road to face two ACC teams. And yeah, it, it's going to be a very, very tough, uh, tough matchup going on the road and, you know, playing against some very good opponents especially in uh, North Carolina and uh, well, North Carolina State and Virginia Tech, considering Virginia Tech is currently top 10 in the nation right now. That, that, will, be, uh, that will be some interesting. It, it's part of a, um, a, a classic like tournament that they have up in Raleigh, North Carolina. So it's all going to be at the Dale Soccer Field and Track Complex in Raleigh. So, hey, Gavin. What's up? You want to you wanna make that drive to Raleigh and go watch some good college soccer? It's about three hours from here, I think. I got VCU in my backyard, so, you know, it's all right. Yeah, I mean, if VCU's anything, all right. I mean, if I, want, if I really wanted to make a drive to see some good soccer, I could just go an hour down the road and see uh, Virginia play. This is true. Charlottesville's not that far away. I've thought about going down there before. Uh for like some DK related stuff, you know, see if I can talk to some people. Kind I mean, of you should. By ear. Yeah. You should. Should I'm sure it'd be worth the trip. Yeah. Charlottesville is always a fun place to go to. There you go. Well, that's on the men's side of things. The women's side had a great start to the season. In their exhibition match against Miami, they won two nothing. In their first game of the season, they won against Texas four nothing. And then they went to Gainesville and beat UF two nothing. And then they came back home to play against LSU, and they lost 2 nothing. So it's either they keep a shutout or they get shut out so far this season. It is, there has been no one way or the other. Now they get to go and play at Columbus, Ohio in Ohio State on Thursday. That'll be a very tough test. And they're back at home. Kyle. 
playing Penn State on the 5th. It's at the UCF Soccer and Track Complex and 6 o'clock kickoff on Sunday, September 5th. Should definitely go out. Because apparently they're doing this thing with the UCF football games where if you go support one of the soccer teams, you get a voucher for a ticket to go to the football game. Yeah, they used to do that at Florida State where if you... It, it, when I was at Florida State, there was like a point system. Um, if you went to other team events, like if you went to like a women's basketball game or if you went to like a soccer game, you got like points and it got you better seating at football games. Hmm. Pretty good. Yeah. Or if you did like volunteer events and stuff like that too. It's it's since changed. They have like the Spirit Awards thing now and it's it's all different. Well, either way, if you're looking for some good college soccer to go to, go to, to Florida UCF. State. No, if you're in Orlando, go to oh. UCF. I was going to say, factually inaccurate, Florida State is the number one ranked team in the country right now. Yeah, well, if you're in Tallahassee, absolutely. <coughs> go to Florida State. Is this not are, the Tallahassee soccer good. show? No, this is the Orlando soccer show. Oh. I know. It could be, though. I mean, all we talk about is FSU women's soccer, because that's the only soccer that's played in Tallahassee. Is there any other soccer worth talking about? It'd just be very short episodes. That works for us, right? <laughs> yeah, speaking of short episodes, let's wrap this thing up. Rollins men and women also getting set to get underway. Uh, the women start on Friday, September 3rd. The men start on uh, Saturday, September 4th. Both games, I believe, are away from home. So, go Rollins. Hopefully they have a good season. Now with that, it's time for Weird News and Red Cards slash Playing Advantage. So, hey, who's got some great weird news for this week? Uh, after selling out in just one hour, Craft uh, Macaroni and Cheese Ice Cream is available again. Ooh. Uh, Kyle? Brooklyn's, Brooklyn's uh, Van Leeuwen Ice Cream partnered with Kraft to create Kraft Macaroni and Cheese Ice Cream for National Mac and Cheese Day on July 14th. Uh, the 6,000 pints that were available sold out in an hour. Um, and the two companies are bringing back the ice cream for a limited time at $12 a pint while surprise last. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's back now. It's a... Uh, so they got that familiar neon orange cheese flavored uh, look to it. Um, for our listeners in Canada, that's KD ice cream. Um, can't, they don't have the flavor blasts, so uh, if you're looking for cotton candy, ghost pepper, or um, uh, poutine, you'll have to bring your own. Okay. Guys, you know in uh, in in Canada, there's a uh, you can you can boost your mac and cheese with like a cotton candy flavored powder. Where is this? In Canada. Oh, that sounds interesting. All right, um, it's not terrible. Is, it's not terrible. Here is my uh, weird news. So this is this is because of Kyle that I saw this and I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Um, Drug dealers in Serrera, Brazil, are have created Coke Zero. It is yeah. a cocaine that is so unadulterated that not even the experts find the drug's addictive ingredient in their tests. 
it is literally cocaine zero rather than just coke zero but keep telling you guys i love coke zero that's what i meant <laughs> have you have you tried the new coke zero does it taste any different than i have it it does seem like it's a little bit sweeter like i actually i think i might like it a little bit more i had it compared to an old one and there is a slight there's like a so mile like it like difference. an old one like the the original yeah. coke zero yeah wow it was pretty good i like it i don't like the the can though the can bothers me because it looks like just a regular coke can but with black lettering instead of white lettering and at six in the morning when i was driving into work one day i thought i had grabbed a regular coke instead of a coke zero at mm. racetrack and i was a little bit worried and then thankfully i had not messed it up all right anyone else oh yeah i got one there is currently a petition from Yu-Gi-Oh fans to make the game an Olympic sport. And it has now crossed 11,000 signatures, one of them now being mine, which I've done uh, in the middle of recording this episode when I discovered this. And this is this is excellent. It is an absolute injustice that the game of Yu-Gi-Oh, the trading card game, is not a legitimate sport in the Olympics. Said a name I'm not going to try to pronounce at the risk of sounding insensitive. Um, the person who wrote the manifesto and continued to claim that the game asks, quote, dexterity, athleticism, and endurance of its competitors. <laughs> I now call on the International Olympic Committee to add Yu-Gi-Oh! as an official Olympic sport to both mend this injustice and to apologize to Japan for making them go through the 2020 Tokyo Games. <laughs> if you come in last place, do you get banished to the Shadow Realm? Yes. No, actually, you don't get banished to the Shadow Realm. You get banished to Tampa, Florida. That's, yeah, that's, that's what, what he said. said. The Shadow Realm. <laughs> Gavin, do you have any weird news this week? Yeah, you guys hear about this uh, COVID thing? Um, well, mm. it turns out people are taking horse medicine to cure it? No, I'm just kidding. I don't got much. I was going to say, that's like two weeks old. <laughs> hey, those people may be dying, but at least they don't have horse worms. Am I right? Hoot, hooting and hollering over here. Speaking of which, uh, Moderna gang, uh, turns out that we've got like triple... The antibodies as like the Pfizer, so yeah, but Hell yeah, Fi- oh, that, Pfizer, yeah, that's why that's why we haven't needed a booster, <laughs> yeah, right? Because uh, they're like, because they just like, it's like a double stuffed uh, Oreos instead of just regular ones, which I mean makes sense because that shit knocked me on my ass for a couple days. So. All I'm saying is Pfizer gang FDA approved, so you know I'll, I'll take that. Uh, FDA deep state. Well, obviously. Why was but, it? Why was it approved so fast though? <laughs> What what are they what are they trying to rush it through for, Kyle? Uh, it's a mass global conspiracy to cover up the fraud that was the 2020 election. There it is. Duh. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. It's been nice being up here in my uh, much more uh, liberal friendly Virginia. Just you know, away from all of the craziness. Oh, wow, Mr. Sarcasm. Yeah, I don't <laughs> care. I don't think he was sarcastic sarcastic about that <laughs> so anyways prayers to you guys down there yeah hey red cards <laughs> slash playing advantage by the way gavin since you haven't been here in a while we're doing this thing called playing advantage instead of just red cards so okay. if you want to do something nice and say hey this is what i enjoyed you're playing advantage instead of giving a straight red you know i feel like I we should have called it man of the match instead but uh, uh playing advantage is okay it's just based on the the general card yeah. giving. Yeah, no, I, I, I accept I accept the premise. Yes, I've I got one. If your, no, your... I've, I've got one. If no one else has one, like right off the bat. Yeah, go for it. My red card 
is for someone we have previously and will in the future try to get on the show. But it is one Mike Ryan Ruiz of the Dan Lebertard Show, hmm. who when they were listing their top five favorite video games of all time. First of all, they're all really old. I understand this as a young man myself, the ripe young age of 25. I understand that our tastes are going to be different. So most of the lists were like, okay, you haven't played a video game in 20 years. I can understand that. But that wasn't what really offended me the most. What offended me the most to the point where I had to pause the episode in my car on my way into work and not finish it until later that day was that he has claimed that A, Super Mario Kart for the N64 was the original Mario Kart. It was not. It was for the Super Nintendo. But also that it was the only Mario Kart worthy of recognition. It is not. It's not even a top Mario Kart game. The top Mario Mario game... Double Dash double is dash. Double Dash, yes. Double Dash, double dash yes. I think, still remains number one. I think the Super Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, whatever, the one on the Switch is number two. Super Mario, uh, Mario Kart Wii is three. Mario Kart DS would be four because that was quite awesome to be able to play that on the go. And then possibly N64, but at that point you've only got N64 and Super Nintendo left, I believe. So your, your bars are pretty low there, but I was appalled by the lack of respect for Mario Kart. Put some respect on their name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyone else got some uh, red cards to give out? Um, I'll give a red card to this uh, viral video that was going around earlier this week of, uh, what was it, for the fucking live-action Cinderella or something with James Corden and all these people just dancing in the middle of the street. It's a red card for the action. Now, the discourse I will give a play advantage to because it was very good afterwards. Hmm. Of the the jokes and the memes that came from that. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll give you those. Those were good. Thank you. I I am, like, adamantly against ever, you know, this this concept of, like, oh, if protesters are in the street, just run them over. Like, that stuff really infuriates me. However, had someone run over James Corden... (laughs) <laughs> it would have been okay. Also, how have the last three presidents now failed to do anything about him? They claim they're serious about fighting terrorism, and yet James Corden still exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could you imagine just, like, being, like, in a hurry to get home? Like, you're in the middle of something, and then just, like, that shit is stopping you, is just in your way? Like, how infuriating that would be. I wasn't even in that traffic, and it was infuriating. <laughs> so, yeah, I could not imagine... <laughs> Could not imagine what that would be like, God. other than not good. I saw this one video, and it was um, a video that someone had posted, and it was like, if you saw this in real life, what would you do? And it was just like this person driving down the road with like these giant monsters, like CGI monsters fighting. And someone quote tweeted, and it was just like, I'd say, thank God it's not James Corden in a rat suit <laughs> thrusting his crotch at me. That one was a good one for me. It's pretty good. Brad, do you have anything? Hell yeah, I got a red card. I'm giving my red card this week to Ben Simmons. Uh, (laughs) Ben uh, has, uh, in uh, breaking news, uh, according to uh, Keith Pompey, uh, has told Sixers Brass that he no longer wants to be a Sixer and does not intend to report to training camp. Uh, I would like to cut in here for a second and say that I also do not intend on showing up for Sixers training camp this year. This bozo over here. (laughs) <laughs> um anyways uh ben simmons uh not the best uh australian player to ever play for the sixers uh that title goes to uh, t stiebel ben simmons uh fraud and uh coward okay 
Uh, I'm going to go ahead and play advantage to Javi Baez of the Couldn't even New York dunk. Mets. Couldn't even dunk at the end of the uh, at, at an Eastern Conference final game to try to close it out. Try try making a free throw, Ben. Then then try start playing the victim. Anyways, uh, Javi Baez playing advantage to him for making the Mets bad again and being the uh, the sleeper agent for the Chicago Cubs since he will be joining the team back in the offseason. Sixers with a one seed, Ben Simmons, and you couldn't even do anything. Actually, <laughs> actually I, I want to jump in on that and give a play advantage to Javier Baez for um, this thing that he started with, I think it was him and Lindor, where yeah, the Mets two fans thumbs have down. been That's booing these guys right. lately because they've been so bad. And the thumbs down, and uh, the Mets president, Sandy Alderson, coming out and like strongly against them, and he made these guys apologize. Um, what was hilarious though is that from this uh, from that statement here, let me find that. I want, Met, was it the Mets is saying the actual words of Mets fans are loyal, passionate, knowledgeable, and more than willing to express themselves. We love them. Someone for absolutely had a gun qualities. to his head when he was writing that. <laughs> just, like New Yorkers I broke into his statement. office and were were holding him hostage, and he had to to write that statement in order for them to let him go. I want Javi Baez to start cutting heel promos on Mets fans. Start saying things like Bobby Bonilla is the greatest <laughs> Met because he got them to pay because they got him to pay him to not play for their garbage team. Because he You want to talk about miracle Mets? Years. How about this? The true miracle is the Yankees allowing the Mets to continue to exist because they need something to look better in contrast to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the Mets being just full blown like Mets this year has truly been something to watch i mean you've got the owner coming out criticizing his players on twitter you've got the players going after the fans you've got the ownership again going after the players and i would I say mean, that is the most new like york new york thing ever though all of it i was to say i don't think that um god what's that guy's name uh i'm blanking on james the owner dolan. of the knicks uh, not even he could orchestrate yeah there's nothing that even james dolan could orchestrate it is, is amazing right that people Field. were so excited for like lindor to come in and for um uh cohen to, to take over the team and now it's just a giant mm-hmm. dumpster fire just reminding you exactly who they are no matter who is there Whoever's, no matter who's paying the payroll, mm. the Mets will always find a way to be the Mets, and it is the most reassuring thing in, the, in these difficult times. It's just death taxes and the in Mets these unprecedented the times, at least one thing is for certain, and it is that the Mets will be the Mets. I also, is it fair to say that Arsenal is the mm. Mets of the Premier League? Uh, it's close. It's not. I, I I would say no because, not necessarily no, I, to a so, drama perspective, but just to. I would say no because there are back. never any, like nobody ever actually expects the Mets to get it together, and nor have they in a very long time. Very similarly, they did, they to the did New York make Jets. the World Series. A well, that was years the thing. Ago. Like where I was saying with Cohen yeah, taking over, the, it was the Pirates made yeah, the play. The that Pirates World made series, the playoffs. I think it was twenty fifteen. Right, that doesn't mean not anything. Guys, Play guys, a little different guys, than the World Series, but we're 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 getting very inside baseball here, literally. Yes, very. This is a quite baseball, the Orlando baseball show. <laughs> if there was a this baseball team in Orlando, my Bishop sure. Sycamore podcast. Did we not play advantage to Bishop Sycamore? Did we not mention that at all? <laughs> I, I we did we, not. We, we have the whole. We'll, we'll give a nice uh, play advantage to them and red card to ESPN for somehow allowing 
a how team is that of not like, our weird new? How is that not well, somebody's we weird just assume news? everybody knows about it, which they probably do. But they allowed a team of like yeah. a bunch of nineteen and twenty year old junior college players. This is a Bishop Sycamore Hair Care Entire Center uh, Academy. It was basically <laughs> how that was ran. This is like an online school, right? Their their head coach yeah. who had an active arrest warrant. What was the arrest warrant out for? <laughs> he got fired, right? Yeah, he got fired today. But by who? Because he's From the his only fake job. Yeah, I was to say like, like the school address of... was like a corporate. Was like a it was like a corporate office park or something like that, right? Uh, no, it was like a it was an athletic facility. Oh, that they had like rented out the fields for. Yeah, the whole thing was a mess. I was reading an article from a parent like talking about how they never paid for hotels and like made the parent end up paying for it. Like it, it was it was a complete mess. Very entertaining to to read and and listen to and like pay attention to all that stuff. Like even the announcers in the middle of the game. I guess at one point they started just talking about different presidents. Um, like one of the there's a presidential library in uh canton ohio where they were playing the game and so they were talking about that and i was just like man they're they're really bored, they, but they i mean they did point players. out that is this was potentially unsafe to the kids playing this game yeah no they did call it out which like which was good but man that's embarrassing to let that slip where there's no no one's vouching they they even yeah. said like you know th- this team has said that they have a bunch of d1 recruits and we weren't able to find that in our system or any other system but you know we trusted them like well that was dumb but I also yeah. understand why you're not going to d- dig too deep into that as well, because something like I don't think anybody could have imagined, hey, we're going to create a fake high school to play a football game on <laughs> and play television. and play IMG. Right. Like, I don't think anybody saw something like that coming. And fairly like that's so. the one thing. That's the one thing that I think keeps getting lost in this is that IMG agreed to play them. Oh, and IMG like didn't a- care. They would have played anyone. Right, but IMG also, like, they are a school that has a lot of D1 recruits, and that is, like, their only reason for existing. So for them to just accept this game, too, is a weird... Like, I don't even know how IMG got there. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's pretty interesting. It's one of those things where every time, like, you get an answer to a question, it just raises even more questions. It's like a never-ending cycle of... Yes constantly and not understanding it's, 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 never, the, it's the ending the burn after reading it's like well what did we learn here it's like it, i don't know it is just a not never, to do it again a never-ending cycle of what the fuck well when um the the coach got fired today and people kept making references back to like the episode of seinfeld where kramer got fired from the job or like he didn't even like work there and he was like i don't even like work here i think we've gone on for too long about non-soccer related topics and austin's getting a little antsy to end the show so we can continue our shenanigans <laughs> off air but the people would miss out on this incredible content. But Austin, we'll go ahead and let you kill the vibe. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'll be the vibe killer today. We were trying to keep it under an hour. We went over an hour, so, but that's that's on you guys. Anyways, we got close. We did. All right. Well, so for Brad Newton, Kyle Foley, and Gavin Eubank, I'm Austin David. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We'll be back next week to talk about all things soccer in the Orlando area. Until then, we'll see you later. Have a great weekend. Not Tallahassee. And you're dirty brown water trash. And you're always going to be dirty brown water trash. <laughs>